from 88.7 FM WXDU Durham and available via podcast on the World Wide Web. This is Shooting the Bull, your weekly survey of what's happening in the Bull City, brought to you by the voices of the Durham blogosphere. The opinions expressed on this program belong to the individuals expressing them and do not necessarily reflect those of WXDU or Duke University. Good evening, Internet friends. I'm Kevin Davis with BullCityRising.com. I'm Barry Reagan. I write at DependableErection.blogspot.com. Welcome to Shooting the Bull for Thursday, May 28th. May 28th, the end of the month already. Um, Kevin was alluding to the fact that uh, WXDU is not on the air right now. Indeed. We are streaming over the Internet, and some of you folks will listen to the show tomorrow or over the weekend uh, via uh, the podcast, which is available at iTunes. But uh, that's that's where we're at. And and maybe we have listeners online, Barry. We have no idea. If we actually have listeners online, you're welcome to call us at the station. We'll we'll say hi to you. Uh, it'll be a uh, a quieter night on the airwaves than usual. But we do thank all of our internet and podcast listeners for for checking in. Uh, and uh, this week it's it's Barry and me catching up on on uh, local news topics. It's been we're, we're well into budget season. Very very well into budget season, depending on who you talk to. Yeah. Um, uh, Unless you're Katie Cobb. Well, I, I guess. <laughs> according, you're not so well according, in the According, according to, uh, to reports in, in local media, um, both the city uh, council members and the county commissioner members are falling all over themselves to, uh, uh, to, to congratulate and, and heap praise upon um, our respective city and county managers for submitting budgets that, uh, in the light of these trying economic times, um, are reasonably balanced and uh only cut how many? Forty teachers, fifty teachers out of the out of the um, Durham public school system, and and thirty um, thirty employees from the city. Well, now the school's budget is going to be the one piece that there's continuing to be conflict on. There was a meeting this morning between members of the school board and uh, presumably Dr. Harris and the county administration and, and board of county commissioners. Uh, that conversation will be continuing as they are still several million dollars apart on where they are. But uh, in the county's case, you know, the county county did a lot to uh, try and get ahead PR-wise of this year's budget. They actually had a statement out before the Board of County Commissioners meeting on the uh, county website with uh, County Manager Mike Ruffin's response to uh, the, the points that the school board has raised in, in requesting not just no decrease but an actual increase in the budget. And, and I'll be talking about that uh, early next week at Bull City Rising. Uh, basically, what what the the county's argument is boiling down to, and we'll have to hear the the BOE's response, is that if you were to to look at the formula that the Board of Education has used in the past to request increased funding on a per pupil basis, the decrease that Mike Ruffin requested for this year was equivalent to their projected drop in enrollment for next year times that that uh, per pupil increase they would have gotten since they're projecting to have several hundred fewer students. Are they really? In addition to um, uh, the six hundred fifty thousand dollars cuts that Harris already said that they could make. Where 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 is the projection of fewer students in our schools next year coming from? Uh, from the Department of Public Instruction. Uh, from the state. From the state. state. And this year, this year the state uh, numbers on which the county budget was was based was was uh, over actually overinflated the project the enrollment. So the the county theoretically or the school system theoretically ended up with more dollars than they would have. 
necessarily I, I thought I thought for. final allocations are actually based on 10-day enrollment. You know, 10 days or 15 days, however many days into the school year, they count the number of students. But it who still have changes. Enrolled. It still changes right. during the school year. So, right. And so, I think I think for this year, if I and I'm doing this off my my head, Barry, but I think it was over a thousand students is the projected decline in DPS, made up for by about a 450 or 550 increase in charter school students. So we've so got so we've got decrease. 500 students graduating and not being replaced by incoming kindergartner or first grade students and then another 500 students transferring out of DPS and going to, to charter schools? Is that It doesn't that align quite that, that way. <clears throat> there is a one-time change in qualification for kindergartens that will have a you know, sort of a, a bit of a bubble this year on how many students get enrolled in kindergarten, how much that oh, because is. Because we moved the, the cutoff date from October 1st to August 1st. Is that, uh, is that what we're talking about? Something like that. Something there's like, there's yeah. a calendar-based change, but then there's also a... Uh, uh, there's separately the uh, just the issue of projected charter school enrollment for next year. Right, because the notion that um, that Durham is going to, as a city, have fewer school-age children any time in the future just strikes me as um, uh, you know um, I don't know ludicrous. You know, just just you look around. You but know? but Barry, if you look at the enrollment numbers over the last last decade, has only been a twelve percent growth in student population. We've had a much greater growth in. Uh, actual residential population. So what are you saying, Kevin? It's not a great place to raise kids. <laughs> Absolutely not saying that. Uh, you know, I, we could we could get into this for the for the whole half hour. I mean, and I've I've talked about this at, at Bull City Rising many times. I think that well, I think it's a great place to raise kids. There are many people out there who, you know, have this sense if you have children, then you must flee to the enclaves of Chapel Hill and Cary to raise them because otherwise, I mean, if they go to school, you know, Barry, poor poor kids are contagious. You you can actually catch. Poverty from a poor poverty, kid. Yeah. You can catch hunger from them. Um, if you come from a stable two-parent home, your parents might get divorced. I mean, the idea of going to, to school with kids who reflect America's economic diversity is just too challenging right. for me. Right. And, and, and I think you hear it so many times that it takes on um, um, mythical status. But I have to say, I am one of those people who specifically, <laughs> uh, when I was looking for a house in the Triangle the first time, and I was in, um, in Raleigh, North Carolina, talking to a real estate agent. Uh, and I said, what about Durham? And the real estate agent said to me, literally, you don't want to live in Durham. And I said, I said, why? And I was asked if I had children. And I said, yes, uh, I have uh, an, an eight-year-old and a three-year-old. You can't go there, Barry. And, and I was specifically told, you do not want to live in Durham. It's not a so, violation of the fair housing uh, law. I'm not sure what it is. And I didn't, you know, I didn't report it at the time. And, you know, granted, this is now 13 years ago. Um, but uh, I, I'm sorry, 16 years ago. I've been here that long. But, uh, you know, I, I just remember it. And you talk about it. You know, we talk about it um, all the time. And it's still going on. Yeah. You know, it's 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 still going on. And, and um, you know, to, to the extent that my kids were raised here because they actually did bounce back and forth between several different triangle towns. Uh, to the extent that they were raised uh, here, they, um, they they turned out you know, more or less okay. <laughs> Barry, <laughs> apologies Barry, to my children. You know, Barry, <laughs> Father's Day is coming up soon, man. I wouldn't want to be in your in your gift box on Father's Day. Oh well, you know. <laughs> so, uh, but continuing not, the budget, I'm not, I'm not going to lose anything. I don't think. <laughs> Con continuing the budget theme, um, the county is seeing a small increase in their budget, thanks mostly to increased social services payments that are passed through dollars from the feds and the state. Um, so that looks positive for next year. Does the county get any stimulus funds, or is that all? Um, does that all come through uh, the city of Durham? There's some stimulus funds coming into the county. Um, city, of course, is benefiting from those as well. Right. And we, <clears> talk, <throat> we talked last week briefly about um, about where you could go at uh, DurhamNC.gov to see mm -hmm. how your stimulus dollars are uh, are being spent. But one of the fascinating things about the, the county budget, which which avoided layoffs, avoided uh, furloughs, kept uh, salaries frozen, 
was that you know Mike Ruffin has had a not the easiest time with a couple of members of his board of county commissioners, not since uh, Joe Bowser was reelected or was elected uh, for this next round or Michael Page was reelected, but uh, Bowser in his previous term that ended in '04 had led a movement to get Ruffin actually fired before he was rehired after the election that saw Bowser lose his seat. So yeah, I was certainly watching. I think a lot of people were to see how the commissioners received this. <clears throat> but in some ways, I actually think that the budget fracas with the schools played well for the Ruffin-Bowser relationship, at least on this one issue. Because it gives the, the, the county something to rally around. <clears throat> well, you know? it gives something to rally around, and it also touches on uh, a hesitancy you've seen from Bowser in some of the, the meetings where he's very, very concerned about whether our school spending is, is, uh, is fully justified. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he's been the one probably on the board asking more questions about uh, debt levels, uh, expense levels, and uh, both uh, Ruffin and Michael Page, the chairman, were uh, very uh, complimentary to Mike Ruffin and Pam Meyer, the budget director and the staff, for their work putting the uh, budget together. See what happens. <laughs> See what happens with the big meeting between the uh, between the school board honchos and uh, and and the county commissioners next week. Are you going to be able to cover it? I I kind of doubt it if it's in the mornings. I'll uh, try and get there for one of the the evening sessions. Maybe the, the, definitely the public hearings. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the hard part of being a citizen blogger. You know, if if uh, if I could find a way to work uh, work around those things, it'd be it'd be great. But uh, it, turning quickly to the city budget, probably the the biggest news items there have been that. A, the budget review has gone faster than just about any other year. Uh, council members have shown only you know, a, a light willingness to question um, the administration's recommendation. And everyone's least favorite public works director got uh, shish-kal-bobbed in, uh, in the hearings uh, yesterday when uh, she and, and uh, Tom Bonfield, the city manager, did not see eye-to-eye -eye on the uh, gravity of the cuts that her department was enduring. So, uh, yes, Katie Kalb, uh, who has... Is has historically been a target of some criticism from from the council dais. I think it's it's an easy target to some extent, just because of the the scope of work and you know, work like street paving that's been unfunded historically. Um, but definitely got the uh, got it the the grinder as it were on. Uh, well, her on her Wednesday. complaint was that the public works department was um, uh, being disproportionately singled out um, for uh, for personnel cuts. And that she um, has some issues with how sh uh, how her department is going to be able to, to fulfill its mission, right? With um, with with the level of staffing proposed in uh, in in the current budget, uh, what was what was the answer to to that question? What uh, what what did um, what did uh, Tom Bonfield and or uh, the city council um, have to say to uh, Miss Calva in response to that? Well, the council, <clears throat> at least according to the press reports, may be curious for some more details. Um, Bonfield's response was basically, you know, I asked all my managers for metrics on efficacy and efficiency and didn't get them from you. So, you know, pipe down. I mean, that was essentially what came out of the quotes in the uh, in the paper. Well, that uh, <laughs> that would that would seem to cover a lot of ground. Uh, you know, if you can't tell your uh, your boss how uh, how efficient you are, it does make it difficult for you to go back and say, I'm not going to be able to get uh, to get the work done and the and the odd thing is there's a, a lot of these these uh, public works measures are actually things that in a very rarely looked at part of the city website the city puts benchmarks of how much we spend on different areas whether it's solid waste or street paving what have you versus pure municipalities and they just shook up the peer list but 
Um, the numbers, uh, the numbers are fascinating in some of these areas. They, uh-huh. They're hard to understand, I think, without a deep background of what's but, happening. Well, well, road paving, I think, is a public works um, function, mm-hmm. but solid waste is a separate is a separate department from public works. I don't believe that Donald Long reports um, believe to Katie right. Kalb. But I, I'm, in general, though, the, the numbers right. can be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you, do you have any off the top of your head, or, uh, or, do, or do folks need to go to uh, DurhamNC.gov? DurhamNC.gov is your, is your home for uh, peer municipality benchmarks, I think it's called. Right. And I think that, um, that, that when we were talking uh, briefly about stimulus funds, I think that public works is actually the, the department through which <clears> many, uh, or, or possibly even the majority, of, uh, of, of stimulus funds that Durham is receiving mm-hmm. is going to be spent. Well, a lot of those so. are transportation dollars. For, right. So for the city side, sure. Now on the county side, those will be stimulus dollars helping to fill the gap for um, for education cuts, uh, or partially but not nearly fully making up the state cuts um, and social services and, and you know, other pieces like that. You know, I, I would assume that for things like uh, installing the 20 new bus shelters, that the, um, the bus stop shelters that the city uh, is going to be installing with stimulus money, that if we don't have the personnel to do that, we'll be hiring at least temporary people, which may um, give people jobs through, you know, through the fiscal year until tax rate, you know, receipts pick up again to levels that they were at, and then folks can get hired permanently when, when the hiring freeze is, uh, is, is over. So, you know, it's, it's, internal, it's internal city government politics. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to watch as a spectator sport. I don't think I would want to be, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to be in, in either Katie Kalb's shoes or, or Tom Bonfield's shoes this week, but uh, it, does, it does make for, uh, you know, for, for enjoyable watching sometimes. Well, the, the theater is probably going to be this Monday when the uh, 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 public, I'm sorry, uh, Monday the eighth, if I'm not getting my dates confused, when the, the eighth uh, of June, when the public. No, I'm sorry, it is the first of June when the public hearing is held for city council. Uh, the council has voted to keep it at an, at an hour for the public hearing. Last year, you had a stream of nonprofits lined up talking about how, you know, if you were to cut this fifteen thousand dollar line item, you know, somewhere a butterfly loses its wings, and when it falls to earth, the playground equipment falls over, and you know, a, a third grader uh, stubs their toe. I mean, you, you had just these, these incredible stories coming from non-city agencies. Uh, so you expect to see a lot of complaints from NCAs and expect to hear some of the city employees who either are layoff candidates or uh, maybe are active with the uh, Durham City Workers Union, uh, which is not a union, but, it, hey, it's got the name. Uh, stand up and and actually uh, uh, complain about the cuts, but all indications are Barry that, that this is this thing is rubber stamped and going right through. Yeah, I mean, but generally at uh, at public hearings, uh, people are allotted two, possibly three <clears throat> minutes to speak. I don't see an hour being um, sufficient unless uh, you know all of the all of the PACs and all of the uh, organizations and associations in in Durham just say, hey, there's no point in fighting this and. We're just going to stay home and watch it on TV, and uh, and and there won't be any people. I, I think I might go down, um, at least to uh, at least to watch the fireworks. I mean, you know, we we had an issue in our neighborhood that we've been uh, that we've been working on um, for a long time. Um, we're not really even asking the city for any money, <laughs> you know, in uh, in 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 Duke Park uh, as far as uh, renovating the um, the the Duke Park bathhouse. All we want to do is have a lease so that we can go out and raise money on our own, and we have not been able to uh, to to get to get that done. And you know, nobody. I don't think anybody from our neighborhood is going to be going up to City Council on Monday saying, you know, why didn't this happen again? Mm-hmm. You know, it's only been you know 16 years, <clears throat> so why why didn't that happen? You know, you and I were talking um, uh, before uh, before the program, and uh, the program is shooting the ball. The radio station is WXDU, 
we're broadcasting on the internet uh, tonight. But uh, Kevin, you and I were talking before the program uh, about some of uh, maybe some of the expectations that neighborhoods bring to the table. Um, you know, uh, and this was a conversation that was inspired by a posting on uh, on the listserv in my neighborhood about uh, traffic calming in your neighborhood. Complaining that if if you've ever seen the traffic calming <clears throat> on Markham Avenue between uh, Duke and Gregson, where the road zigzags and there's traffic humps, this sense that you know wealth and influence in the the you know famously uh, uh, aristocratic Trinity Park neighborhood was somehow able to swing these dollars there and, and not to other neighborhoods. And you know, Barry, I, I'll let you go first because I know you've got some concerns on this, yeah. but I think this gets a little overplayed. Well, 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 for me, for me, for one thing, um, that stretch of Markham Avenue is a tourist attraction. And when I have folks um, who have visited the San Francisco Bay Area um, visit me in Durham, I drive them down Markham Avenue, and I tell them that this is Durham's equivalent to Lombard Street. <laughs> Very nice. And and, and people people seem to uh, people seem to enjoy that. But there there certainly is a, there is there is a sense um, that traffic calming <clears throat> measures um, are asked for and given to neighborhoods of some wealth and influence and that neighborhoods that are more um, uh, living at or below the poverty line of, of which there are a number in Durham have other issues that are higher up on their priority list and as a result they don't get these um, these features mm-hmm. added to their neighborhood that doesn't mean from my perspective it doesn't mean they don't need them you know um, when you look at the statistics the areas of the city where the most uh, pedestrians are hit by motor vehicles, injured or killed, right, is um, is down on Alston Avenue. It's down on uh, 98. It's down on Driver Street. These are the areas that probably need uh, traffic enforcement and traffic calming measures the most. And the activists in in those neighborhoods are are busy <laughs> well with, it's, with, i mean with, well you know you've got prostitution you've got exactly. you've got you've got crime you've got vacant houses you've got drug dealing and mm-hmm. you've got other priorities for um, for the neighborhood activists to be focused on and, and look barry i was i was actually picking on katie cobb a little bit uh, before the show because of uh, this thing that came up at the pack one coffee with council budget hearing where which i blogged about a few months ago where the Albright neighborhood, which is one of the areas that makes up northeast central Durham, across the street from their community garden next to a, to a playground, there are some vacant lots that the city uses when they uh, repave streets to dump the old asphalt, railroad ties, granite, all this kind of stuff. And it's very dusty. It's very dirty. I went by there with um, city councilman Eugene Brown. It's just it's an embarrassment. And while, yes, it may not be, this may not be, in terms of traffic calming, the highest priority issues for some of these neighborhoods, they do have high priority issues that right. they're trying to get addressed, right. and they're not always successful in doing so. Right. But um, on, on the other hand, at least uh, speaking from my perspective, um, I can say that in, in the Duke Park neighborhood, we're not very successful in getting our high priority issues uh, addressed as well. As I said, uh, you know, the city basically owns um, a, a fairly large, fairly usable structure right in the heart of my neighborhood, which has been abandoned since 1993. Right? It's um, the only use that it has received during that time was as a storage depot for parking tickets. And uh, my understanding is around 1999 or 2000, um, one time when I toured the building, that those parking tickets were removed. So I, you know, there, there, there may be other neighborhoods in, in the city where the city of Durham owns 3,000 square foot buildings that it has 
um, allowed to deteriorate for 16 years. Um, but I don't know which ones they are. Huh. You know, so if you do, um, you know, hop onto either of the blogs uh, and you know leave a comment and, and and let us let us know what that is because I'm sure that we will we will write about um, about those kinds of things uh, as as time goes on. Now, now you're saying that folks actually showed up at the Pack One Coffee with Council meeting, which was sometime in February, sure. to complain about this. <clears throat> and and right. the two uh, <clears throat> excuse me, two of the council members who were up for reelection this fall, uh, Corkle McFadden and Howard Clement, were just shocked that this had existed for so many years. I mean, like, never heard of this before, which drew some chuckles from some of the other city staff and and uh, folks in the audience. But uh, clearly, this is is a, is a high priority item. And last so time Howard I drove was by, doing his Claude Rains imitation, precisely. <laughs> last last time I drove by, I, I that looked like it was still there. I haven't been by in a couple months, so could have disappeared by now. Speaking of things disappearing, Barry, we were going to talk a bit about a uh, a big box store that has outgrown its box and is being replaced by an even bigger box even further out, uh, happening up in North Durham with the Walmart Super Center replacing the Walmart Micro Center. Medium I don't know what they're center. called. Medium, <laughs> yeah, mid mid size. The mid size is being phased out for the uh, the the, ma- the the massive big box store. So this is this is the uh, the Walmart up where um, Food Lion. Um, and and where Lowe's used to be, now Lowe's. Which Lowe's I didn't even I didn't yeah, even realize. Yeah, Lowe's oh was yeah, there. when I moved here, that was um, where Burlington uh, Coat Factory yeah. um, is used to be uh, used to be the Lowe's um, on Roxborough Street. Fast. So that's going to leave a second big box hole on Roxborough Street um, when you count the Kmart that uh, right. that that's on Avondale Drive, just north of uh, of I eighty five. And uh, you know we we're talking about commenters on your blog um, when uh, when when you re- you know reviewed uh, this situation. There really are no there there are no tenants um, out there, um, and it would seem to me, quite honestly, that the I eighty five location for um, for Kmart is actually more desirable <clears throat> because you're much closer to the freeway. You have uh, much better distribution access for your you know for your big trucks to come in and uh, and and deliver goods, and they've had no success um, renting that place out. The it's not um, not a factor at all, Barry. Really? You want to know Why what the that? factor is? Tell me. Tell go me. Go to uh, go to a website like Claritas or uh, Demographics Now or one of these sites. Put in the geolocation of what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Pull a one, three, and five mile radius average household income, and there's your answer. This is one of well, the. You this know what's is, interesting? This is, this is one of the reasons, Barry, why I have always been on the blog, and to anyone who will put up with me talking about this, an advocate for mixed income neighborhoods. Right. What you end up with <clears throat> is this sort of this this sort of neutron bomb effect in cities, where the ring of prosperity for the last fifty years has spread out from the center, where Treyburn. And South Durhamites are, are obsessed about their ability to bike to their darn community center. And, you know, are they going to have pedestrian trails in, in these, these high-income areas? And what happens is the retail follows. Retail started, you know, the history of retail in Durham, <clears throat> briefly said, started downtown, moved to places like Northgate, Wellens Village, uh, uh, Lakewood, Lakewood, Forest Park. Hills, moved out again, South Square Mall, uh, uh, North Duke Mall at uh, Horton and Duke. Keeps moving out. Harris Teeter at Guess and Horton. Harris Teeter, 751-54. You see the, the high end, and South Point Mall is the biggest example. So you see this, this retail expanding. Um, it, what happens is you, you have people who move to follow it, and you, you leave behind an economic hole, and as, as whether it's renters or low-income housing moves in, you create a cycle that all this old retail is allowed to deteriorate because the national chains won't move in there. Which is, which is interesting, Kevin, because it's going to get back to something we were talking about before. I think if you take that one-mile radius from where Kmart used to be on, uh, 
on uh, um, uh, on Avondale Drive, uh, and you draw that one mile circle, virtually the entire Duke Park neighborhood falls within that circle. And so does Bragtown. So does right. Colonial Village. So right. does Northgate Park. Right. Uh, uh, you know, and, and and Northgate Northgate Park is uh, is you know I, I'm not sure what the demographics are, but I suspect that they're somewhat uh, somewhat different than um, than than Bragtown. It very well may be, but I, I'm just betting that if you run the numbers, <clears throat> it'll be very interesting. And what you're right, only well, just now seeing, we can we can probably do that. We can probably do that tomorrow, and and, and it'll, be, it'll be interesting. But 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 I think I think the bottom line is that we're both actually in agreement. Yeah, that, uh, that nobody is going to be moving in to Walmart or Kmart in the near future. K, the Kmart space has been rented out. The the garden center has been rented out, and I guess the automotive center um, on the south side of the building has been rented out to Harbor Freight Tools, which I actually right. was in um, a couple of weeks ago. But the big bulk of the store, the 120,000 or so square feet, um, has been empty now for, I guess, four or so years, as has the movie theater in that shopping center. Very and, true. And, and a number of plants have have, um, have fallen through. And uh, one of the commenters, actually, I think it was you, I think it was you who, who wrote that um, basically you can expect that nothing will happen until um, once the anchor tenants move out, until the satellite tenants also move out, and then you can bring the bulldozers in and tear the whole tear thing down. Tear down a nineteen-year-old shopping and, center. And it's a, that that is what amazed me, is that the uh, the Walmart shopping center uh, is only nineteen years old. Mm-hmm. You know, when I when I moved here in 1993, 16 years ago, it looked like it had been there for quite some time. What I really think it does is is unlike some of your some of your commenters, I think this really gives us an opportunity to rethink the suburban model. Of, of of retail along places like Roxborough. Roxborough could be, in my mind, it's a perfect candidate for for a streetcar that runs between. It, it would make a lot of sense, you know. Um, and people are talking about widening it. And it's like, no, you don't need to widen it. If you want to reduce the traffic on there, you know, increase the number of buses and increase the number of streetcars um, or, or build streetcars in the in the first place. And there's no reason why people who are living up by Infinity Road can't take public transportation to come into town and have several stops along the way that become your your destinations restaurants and and shops and 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 you know shopping and and that kind of stuff grows up around places where your streetcar stops you could have four or five of those between infinity road and and uh, and downtown and, and it, i think would and it would marvelous. make a ton of sense yeah just, just for Which fun is probably Barry. why it's not going to happen <laughs> perhaps just for fun i looked up the Compared the uh, common uh, prism segments from Claritas for 27713, which is a uh, key South Durham zip code, uh-huh. and 27701, right. uh, which, by the way, 27701 encompasses Watts Hillendale. Right. Encompasses Duke Park. Uh, no, it doesn't. Uh, Watts Hillendale is 27707. Oh, okay. Right. Sorry. But it encompasses a lot of uh, in-town neighborhoods. Right. Uh, as well as uh, some of the aging neighborhoods around the area we we're just talking about. 27713, down by South Point. Uh, let's see. The five most common Prism in E segments are Executive Suites, Home Sweet Home, Young and Rustic, Young Influentials, and Greenbelt Sports. I can practically I have no idea what any of that means. I can practically feel the excitement of an REI tingling through my bones as I plan my trip to Trader Joe's. Now, as I go down to two seven seven zero one, Trader Joe's down there because I have to go to Chapel Hill to go to Trader Joe's. Uh, it's <laughs> look, South Durham is North Chapel Hill. 27701, you have what are, are euphemistically named Boomtown Singles, which is sort of your urban hipsters, City Startups, Family Thrifts, Park Bench Seniors, which is, has to be about the most depressing term I've ever heard, and Mobility Blues. Now, my, my so reason nobody's that, raising kids in those neighborhoods. Well, no, no, no. There, there are, yeah, but they are yeah. city startups and thrifty families. My, my purpose in mentioning this, Barry, 
is to emphasize not that I necessarily think that that you know, this means 27713 is a good place to live and 7701 is not, but to point out that if you're a national retailer, I mean, it, it's, it's redlining by demographics. National retailers run the math on these things. They assume what the household income and, and segmentation is, and they say, ah, this isn't a good place to, to be. And it's why there's, you know, multiple, uh, multiple Harris Teeters in South Durham and not much in, in the city center. I've always talked about this as, to anyone who listens, is this idea of, of benign neglect. Right. So I, don't, I think that the world-class restaurants and unique shopping we have is because people who delve beyond what the national retailers look at see there's a lot of terrific value in Durham. But, you know, I, I, this is the, the challenge here is when we're trying to deal with yesterday's retail plazas that somebody fought awfully hard and told city council what a great boon to the tax base they'd be, and you're going to watch them deteriorate, decline, and become, become vacant. Well, the, the good news, I think, is now once the new Walmart plaza goes in, um, we've pretty much filled up all the, uh, all, the, all, all the border areas. One factor I think you left out, and, and I'm not sure if people have actually studied this or not, but it's one of my pet theories, is that counties like to do these things near their borders so that people who live in other counties come in and spend their, their, oh, tax, you know, spend their dollars and, and boost the sales tax revenue for um, the counties. Service in Raleigh has issued a severe thunderstorm warning for Moore County until 8.45 p.m. At 7.56 p.m., National Weather Service Doppler radar indicated a severe thunderstorm 9 miles southwest of Eagle Springs or 14 miles southeast of Troy, moving east at 30 miles per hour. Winds in excess of 58 miles per hour are likely with this storm. Locations impacted include Fox Fire, Seven Lakes, Taylortown, Pinehurst, Southern Pines, Aberdeen, Whispering Pines, damaging winds of 58 miles per hour and greater are expected from this storm. These winds can blow down trees, power lines, and can damage mobile homes and other buildings. Seek shelter in a sturdy structure until the storm has passed. Stay away from windows as flying debris generated by damaging winds can be deadly. Please report severe weather to the nearest law enforcement agency. They will relay your report to the National Weather Service Forecast Office in Raleigh. Repeating, a severe thunderstorm warning has been issued until 8.45 p.m. for the following county, Moore County, North Carolina. 